of What the Forensics. My name is Nicole, and like always, I am joined here again by the lovely Journey and Rebecca. This week, Journey is going to be telling us all about the case of Luca Magnata, and then Rebecca is going to be educating us and filling us in on the topic of those who kill for fame and kind of everything surrounding that. I would also like to note that there is a listener's discretion advised, as there are brief descriptions of animal abuse, necrophilia, murder, sexual assault, dismemberment, and mass shooting once we get to the science aspect. Um, With that long listener's discretion out of the way, I would like to pass it off to Journey. Um, If you want to kick us, kickstart us, kickstart our our, uh, episode. Oh my gosh. (laughs) It's not even 8am. I was gonna say it's 8am. No, it's 10am. Sorry, guys. This is gonna be long. Oh my goodness. It's okay. You can just go on Alberta time. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Okay, um, yeah, so I'm going to be talking about Luca Magnata. He is just a real treasure. Um, so Luca Magnata was born Eric Clinton Kirk Newman. He was born July 24th, 1982 in Scarborough, Ontario. Um, his parents' names were Anna Yorkin and Donald Newman, and he was the oldest of three kids, When he was still young, his parents divorced, and so he went to live with his grandmother, Phyllis. I'm not sure why that was a living arrangement, Um, but while he was living with his grandparents, they also divorced. Um, So then he was, like, homeschooled for a period of time um, and wrote a blog post about it and said that he was homeschooled because he was told that the world is a dirty and dangerous place. But when, so I feel like his issues began right at childhood. Yeah, right from the start. Yeah. And then when he did end up attending public school, he was remembered for his like vanity and preoccupation with his looks, um, which you can see a lot in the early 2000s. And so then in 2002, 2003, he started appearing in gay porn videos and sometimes working as a stripper and a male escort. Uh, In 2004, he appeared on Toronto's police radar when he befriended a 21-year-old girl who had the mental capacity of a child roughly 8 to 12 years of age. He convinced her to apply for credit cards and then accumulated $10,000 in unpaid bills under her name on those credit cards. Um... It was suggested that he sexually assaulted the girl and videotaped it, um, but the Crown actually dropped the charge before the case went to trial, so um, we don't really know. Do we know why it was dropped? Did they just not have enough evidence for it? I'm not too sure. I wasn't able to figure that out, but I'm going to assume, yeah, that they didn't have enough evidence or they were just kind of like grasping at straws. Yeah, okay. So Um, I was going to say, if he was charged, I feel like that would have put an easy early stop to a lot of things yeah and i think like he was charged for like a little while later he's charged for the credit cards and like that so i think he just dropped the sexual assault charge interesting okay yeah um so his lawyer at the time came forward after magnata was arrested in 2012 
and said that dismissing this charge changed the course of his life, quote, immeasurably and with huge ramifications to our society eventually, end quote. So kind of what Nicole just said, that if we had caught him in 2004, um, life would be a little different for some people. In 2005, he was a pinup model in Toronto's Fab magazine under the pseudonym Jimmy. And in this magazine, he said that he was a 22-year-old soccer fan who was born in Russia and living in Toronto with the hopes of becoming a vice or homicide police officer. So, I don't know where that came from. I think he was just creating a story of what people, what he thought people would like. He was also convicted of one count of impersonation and three counts of fraud, against Sears the Brick and 2001 audio video after impersonating the girl from 2004 to apply for a credit card and purchasing over $10,000 of goods. So he received a nine-month conditional sentence, which is basically just house arrest, with 12 months of probation after pleading guilty to the charges. He, when giving him the sentence, the judge said, quote, you have a medical problem and you need to always take medication. If you do not, your life is going to be messed up, end quote. Before sentencing, Magnata's lawyer showed the court a medical report that said that Magnata had, quote, significant psychiatric issues, end quote. So, so, so had he been diagnosed with anything? Like, seen not that anyone? I was able to find. So this is just the judge being like, mm, you got some problems, medication's gonna help. Yeah. None of my sources I was able to find, like, what he was actually diagnosed with. Yeah. So okay. if there was a diagnosis, I just wasn't able to find it. Okay. Um, yeah. And then in 2006, Magnata started dating Barbie, who was a transgender woman. And she was eventually interviewed by Fifth Estate. And she said that Magnata wanted to be famous one day and that his apartment looked like a shrine to himself. Um, That's so creepy. <laughs> That's so creepy. Yeah. Which isn't totally shocking considering how vain he was, but it's still, like, giant red flag. So, they broke up in April after dating for a couple months, and then on August 12th, 2006, he legally changed his name to Luca Rocco Magnata, um, and he was 24 at this time, and I wasn't able to find why he changed his name. Yeah, I was about to ask, I was going to say, why that name? (laughs) Yeah, I think... The only kind of thing that I was able to find was that he had really negative associations with his old name, so he kind of wanted to, like, start fresh with a new name, but I don't know why he chose this name, if that makes sense. I feel like I feel like it's got a, like, star ring to it, you know, like a Hollywood-esque, like, yeah. it rolls off your tongue nicely, Luca Magnata, it's rather better than, than Eric Newman. Uh, Eric Clinton Kirk Newman, yeah. Yeah, that's just kind of a plain name, if you ask me plain. (laughs) And then, in 2007, he auditioned for the reality series Cover Guy, where 30 men compete for $1,000 cash, a photo shoot, and a one-year membership to Good Life Fitness, and to be on the cover of About Magazine. Um, Magnata didn't make it past the audition, but even when you Google the show, he shows up in the images. So he's very closely linked to this show, I guess. Um, Also in 2007, he declared bankruptcy in March 
because he owed $17,000 in various debts. He quoted illness, lack of employment, and insufficient income to pay off the debts as his reasoning for filing bankruptcy, and that he had to pay $200 each month for an unspecified medical condition. Again, I don't know if that's true or if he was paying $200 for something else, but called it a medical condition. I'm not sure. Um, his bankruptcy was fully discharged in December, which means, which meant that he didn't need to repay any debts. Which I found interesting. I didn't know you could do that with bankruptcy. Yeah, I find bankruptcy such a weird... Not, I mean, I know it's not a crime, but it's just such a weird legal process. And it's like you could owe like millions of dollars and then you declare bankruptcy. And then they're like, oh, you have no money. You don't need to pay it. You're you're okay again. Like in what Mm -hmm. world is that normal? Literally. Money doesn't exist. Just make more and just (laughs) just say, oops, sorry, you don't have to pay it. And then you're fine. (laughs) Literally. Just don't make things so expensive so we can actually afford to live. Uh, Okay, anyway, additionally this year, he was also rumored to be dating Carla Homolka, who we covered in one of our first episodes. Um, He did deny this rumor, but during his murder investigation, Montreal police said that they did date, um, like Carla and Luca, but then retracted that statement because they actually had no evidence to support their claim. Um, And it's actually thought that Magnata started the rumor of them dating by himself, so he was kind of the instigator of that. He then had multiple plastic surgery procedures and auditioned for Slice Network show Plastic Makes Perfect in February 2008. In his audition, he said, quote, I've had my nose done, I've had two hair transplants, and I'm planning on having muscle implants in my pecs and my arms, end quote. Um, I don't think he actually made it onto that show, but I don't know why. Um... And then, in 2008, he also tried to get online attention by posting comments about himself to generate rumors and then creating other profiles to deny them, which the thought of that is kind of funny to me. So, he that, he also lost two battles with Wikipedia this year, trying to keep up a page about himself. Um, and then he posted an online escort ad under his alias Jimmy, and a client posted a really unflattering review that described him as cold and remote, so that kind of worked in the opposite way he wanted it to. And then into that... Sorry. Oh, sorry to interrupt. I feel like this is taking a lot of effort to Mm -hmm. get your... Like, I feel like there's other ways to do this rather than sitting at home creating fake profiles to, like hope that people literally you know yeah 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 he's definitely putting way too much work into becoming famous for all the wrong reasons 100 percent. yeah in 2009 magnata met a 70 year old man in toronto and they decided to travel the world together and so they went to russia italy and france and did just a lot of touring in 2009 and then in 2010 is kind of where um shit hits the fan And that's where his online presence gets really dark and upsetting. And so in the fall, he posted a link on Facebook to a video called Three Guys, One Hammer, which showed a man being beaten to death. This video wasn't made by Magnata, but it also added to the rumor of him dating Carla Homolka. Sorry, she she was released in 2005, so like... 
time-wise, it could make sense, but I think I think it addresses it in Don't F With Cats that he, like you said, created it to gain this notoriety in that world. Yeah. Because um, I think she, dec- she uh, not disagreed, but she, like, said no. It didn't yeah. happen. Denied it. Basically. Denied it. That's, yes, yeah. that's the word I was looking for. <laughs> that makes sense. There was another post about their relationship where someone replied, quote, Luca is unable to live unless there's chaos in his life. It makes him feel as though he matters, end quote. Um, and everyone thinks that Luca actually, like, wrote that comment. But it's, I feel like it's fairly representative of how he was feeling. And then in December of 2010, there was a series of videos um, portraying various acts of animal cruelty posted on YouTube. Uh, one was titled One Boy, Two Kittens, and it showed a man suffocating two kittens with a vacuum cleaner. And so there were many discussion boards and groups created online to find the man in this video after it kind of like blew up on YouTube. And then in January 2011, Magnata contacted lawyer Romeo Salta saying that he was nervous about all the attention that Kitten Killer was receiving. I don't understand like why he would do that because it's kind of like oh hey i made this video and now i'm nervous about getting caught did he say that it was him in the video or was he just like oh there's this mysterious man posting these videos and he's getting a lot of backlash uh what would be something that could help him being like hey my friend kind of thing yeah according to the lawyer uh he was convinced that the animal activists were closing in and he wanted to know if there was any warrants pending on him Mm, so i feel like okay asking if there's any warrants out for your arrest is kind of like yeah or maybe him is kind of like not him magnata but like the royal him where it's like him the kitten killer yeah 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 Yeah, either way it's pretty suspicious to go to a lawyer and go hey this case that i am not involved in by the way (laughs) um any updates yeah (laughs) literally um so that's just kind of weird i don't fully understand that um but Magnata liked to travel a lot, so he was in New York at this time, so he kind of just, like, jumps all over the world throughout these years. And then in February, there was a new 11-member online group that was called the Animal Beta Project, or the AB Project, and so its goal was to stop Magnata before he killed again, even though at the time it was created, they didn't know it was Magnata, they just wanted to stop the kitten killer, because they were worried that he would harm other animals and then move on to something more violent like a person. And so the members of the group actually analyzed the kitten killing videos frame by frame, and they claimed that furnishings and clothing in the videos were the same as those in images of Magnata online. Um, They actually discovered quite a lot of information about Magnata online, and they struggled to track down his physical location, But after looking at a photo from October 2010 and kind of examining the data of the photo, they were able to uh, find out that he was in Toronto. The group then reached out to the Ontario Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals and presented them with all of their information about who they think the man in the video is. And the OSPCA then took that information to the Toronto Police Um, But because Magnata was also known to travel quite a bit, the OSPCA also contacted the FBI, the Montreal Police, and the Royal Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals in England. 
so they kind of just made sure all of their bases were covered. I love how fancy that last one sounds. The I Royal know. Society. <laughs> <laughs> and you got Montreal yeah. police. Yeah, <laughs> literally. The, the FBI. Um, I'm not totally sure how they first, like, came across Magnata as the person in the video. That was kind of um, something very vague, but I don't know. I think they go into it in Don't F With Cats, like the Netflix documentary. Oh, yeah, and yeah. like you said, when they're like taking it apart frame by frame, they were able to find certain things in his room and then basically like reverse search and see where it's sold, I think. Oh, okay. And so a lot of things were sold like in that <coughs> area. I could be completely wrong, but I remember that happening at some point And that's how they were like, this is where he is. Yeah, I really should have watched that, but I just, I didn't have time and I just couldn't bring myself to do it. It's mentally taxing. It yeah. really is. Yeah, so if any of our listeners want to watch it, go ahead. Um, <laughs> but I will not be joining <laughs> do you. Do that to yourself. <laughs> Literally. On June 8th, the Los Angeles Police Department said that they were in contact with Magnata because he was a person of interest in the unsolved murder and decapitation of Hervey Medellin. Uh, which was known as the Hollywood sign murder, but it was later announced that he was not involved in the crime and the animal rights group Last Chance for Animals admitted to posting videos claiming to link him to the murder with the hope that he would reach out and contact them so that they could kind of catch him for the kitten killing videos. Um, and then sometime late in November or early December, there was another video posted where a man in a Santa hat was feeding a live kitten to a python and then another video was posted of a kitten that was duct taped to a broom handle and then drowned in a bathtub, which is just... It uh, still makes me physically sick to hear about mm -hmm. that, let alone seeing, like, you don't see anything in... I mean, you don't see the act happening in Don't yeah. F With Cats, but, like, you see snippets of those YouTube videos and this audio to some of it, and Ooh. it just, like, is gut-wrenching. No, I it's couldn't It's horrific. It. It's... Yeah, it I if you like cats, I honestly wouldn't recommend watching the docu-series because mm -hmm. it will make your soul hurt. My yeah. mom and I were crying, but only at the cat parts, not gonna lie. We were like, yeah. This is terrible. Like you did kill people, but the cats, what about the cats? Right? Animal cruelty people, like people who are cruel to animals have a special place in hell. Yeah, animals and children. Like, they yes. can... They mm -hmm. deserve worse than hell. Sorry. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> anyway, um, this is kind of random, but a newspaper in London, UK, wrote a story about the kitten killer, and shortly after, Magnata showed up at their office to deny that he killed a kitten. What? So... Did they out him in that, though? Were they like, it was Luca Magnata, or did they leave it unnamed? I'm pretty sure it was still unnamed. Oh my god, they're like, man, it wasn't me. What are you, what are you spreading? I it wasn't know. me. <laughs> yeah, Sorry, and a journalist... Um, yeah, uh, like the Fifth Estate, I think, also talked to a journalist, and he said that even though Magnata was denying it, he was getting, like, some form of weird pleasure out of it yeah so he was like that was weird and then two <laughs> days later um there were threatening emails sent to their office that were suspected to be from magnata and one email said quote next time you hear from me 
It will be in a movie I am producing that will have some humans in it, not just pussies, end quote. Ew. Yeah, the newspaper informed the London police, but they didn't have any jurisdiction. So, unless they did mention Magnata in that newspaper article, I don't understand why he would go there and be like, hey, it's not me. Yeah, you're just outing yourself. Mm -hmm. And, like, I get if he wants fame, okay, but why are you convicting yourself, essentially? Literally. So, yeah, if anyone has any answers to those questions, that would be sick. And then, in 2012, the AB Project investigators received a tip that Magnata had moved to Montreal. So, they searched through the archive photos of Magnata that they had to find any connection to Montreal. There was one photo of a unique streetlight that allowed them to narrow down the photo location to a specific neighborhood in Montreal. And then while the investigators were trying to find him, his online posting became more and more disturbing, with him posting about necrophilia and sedatives. I don't know in specifics, but then on May 25th, 2012, there was an 11-minute video uploaded to the website bestgore.com that was titled One Lunatic, One Ice Pick. And this video showed a naked male tied to a bed frame being repeatedly stabbed with an ice pick and a kitchen knife. Uh, The man was then dismembered and acts of necrophilia were performed on his body. The perpetrator then takes a knife and fork to cut off flesh and allows a dog to chew on the body. In the background of the video, the song True Faith by New Order is playing and there is a Casablanca movie poster on the wall. I don't know why that's important, but I'm assuming it just links him to the kitten killing videos. So, in Don't F with Cats, the Casablanca uh, thing was a big piece in how they caught him, actually. Because oh, okay. later on, there were, like, ties to the movie, and he had, like, a keychain on him, I think. And just, like, when they interviewed his family when he was younger, he had a lot of interests in Casablanca so it was one thing that helped connect them okay it's a really good thing you watched this movie Nicole yeah (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) um okay so police were then able to obtain a longer version of the video and they confirmed that cannibalism had occurred that should have been in the trigger warnings um oh well (laughs) so one interesting thing is that 10 days before the murder took place um materials promoting the video were um appearing online so we kind of like promoted this video before he even recorded it so he was making like little teaser things yeah he did like he soft launched it a little bit oh so that's incredibly um disturbing is this the one too where he killed the dog after you didn't know i didn't know that oh yeah there was one where the dog whatever was in the video was then killed and that's also how they helped um connect the two because the dog was found with some of the remains i believe and thrown out yeah okay maybe yeah i didn't hear anything or find anything about a dog okay 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 Interesting. So the next day, on May 26th, 
An attorney from Montana tried to report the video to Toronto police, the local sheriff, and the FBI, but the report was dismissed by the officials, which, not ideal on their part. No, Um, that doesn't make sense. You literally just watched a body get dismembered and eaten, mm -hmm. and they're like, "Mm, not a concern right now. Yeah, we actually don't care. Um, viewers of the video who frequented bestgore.com also tried to report the video, but were unsuccessful. And then on May 29th, 2012, there was a package left at the national headquarters of the Conservative Party of Canada that was stained with blood, had a foul smell, and was marked with a red heart symbol. And when they opened it, they found a left foot. There was also a note with this package that said that six body parts had been distributed and the perpetrator would kill again. There was another package sent to the Liberal Party, but was intercepted by Canada Post, and this one had a left hand. A note was also found in this one and some other packages, but the police did not disclose the contents of those letters. So I'm pretty sure he had addressed them to Stephen Harper and uh, Justin Trudeau, and they're like, these are for you obviously they didn't get to excuse me they didn't get to him Mm -hmm. um but yeah that was his like end goal intention which is yeah gross kind of upsetting um a janitor had also found a suitcase in an alley behind an apartment building that had a decomposing torso in it um he found it on the 25th as it was left in like this giant garbage pile but because there was so much garbage it didn't get picked up So then he um, looked at it again and saw that there was a torso in it and then brought the police there. Um, So the police searched the back alley and found human remains, bloody clothes, papers that identified the suspect, and sharp and, or no, I think that's supposed to be papers that identified the victim, and sharp and blunt objects. Uh, Surveillance cameras from inside the building showed a person bringing a copious amount of garbage bags outside, and the person matched another person on a video surveillance at a post office where the packages were shipped from. Police searched apartment 208, which belonged to Magnata, and at this time Magnata had moved out, but had paid his rent until June 1st, which I don't fully understand, but whatever. So the apartment was mostly empty, but police were able to find blood on the mattress, fridge, table, and the bathtub. And there was a sentence written in red ink on the inside of a closet that said, if you don't like the reflection, don't look in the mirror. I don't care. That sounds, I hate to say it, but like a Tumblr post from like early 2010. Yeah, (laughs) very, it's giving very much Tumblr girl vibes, but also serial killers. So that's concerning. Um, On May 30th, 2012, police were able to match all the body parts to the same person, which turned out to be Lin Jun. Um, The suspect in the video footage was identified as Magnata. Lin Jun was born December 30th, 1978, and he was known as Justin Lin in Canada. He was an international student from Wuhan and was studying at Concordia University. He was also working part-time as a convenience store clerk. And he had been living and studying in Montreal since July 2011. He was last seen May 24th, 2012. And his friend said that they got a text from him or his phone at 9pm. His boss then got suspicious when he didn't show up for his shift the next day. 
and on May 27th, three of his friends went into his apartment, and he was officially reported missing May 29th, 2012, so five days after he was actually last seen. On June 5th, 2012, the third package was delivered to St. George's School, and it had a right foot, and a fourth package was sent to False Creek Elementary School in Vancouver, and this one had a right hand. So, police were able to confirm that all of these packages were sent from Montreal. And then, on June 13th, the limbs and the torso were matched to Justin Lin using DNA samples from his family. Do we know why he sent them to elementary schools? Um, probably just shock factor. Ah, that would make sense. Okay. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, he wanted to be famous, so sending body parts to an elementary school gets you fame. Um... On July 1st, Justin Lin's head was found on the edge of a small lake in Montreal's Angrenon Park. I apologize if I didn't say that with any sort of French accent. So police received an anonymous tip that it was there, um, most likely from Magnata himself. Um, Justin Lin's body was then cremated on July 11th, and his ashes were buried at the Notre Dame. Nicole, how do you say this? I meant to text you. Um, which one is it? Notre Dame? Notre Dame. Notre Dame. Des- I don't know. Notre Dame. The last one. I'm on the wrong there. side. One second. I uh, think it's Notre Dame de Neige. De Neige, yeah. Okay. Um, Justin Lin's body was cremated on July 11th and his ashes were buried on July 26th at Notre Dame de Neige Cemetery in Montreal. And now we get to kind of talk about what Magnata was doing during this time because it was a lot. So, an arrest warrant was issued for him by the um, Montreal police. This was later upgraded to a Canada-wide warrant by the Royal Canadian Mounted Police. Um, Magnato was wanted for the following crimes of first-degree murder, committing an indignity to a dead body, publishing obscene material, mailing obscene, indecent, immoral, or scurrilous material, criminally harassing Canadian Prime Minister Stephen Harper and several unnamed members of Parliament. Um, That charge was because he mailed them body parts. On May 31st, 2012, Canadian authorities requested that Interpol issue a red notice for Magnata. So they did. And Magnata's photo and name were broadcasted on the homepage of the Interpol website for days before and after his arrest. And this red notice requested that Magnata be arrested pending extradition back to Canada by an Interpol member. Um, Canadian authorities requested this because Magnata flew from Montreal to Paris on May 26th. He used a fake passport, which had the name Kirk Trammell. And Magnata's cell phone signal was traced to a hotel in Bagnolet, which is a suburb in Paris. However, Magnata was gone by the time they got there. Um, They still found, like, pornographic magazines and a puke bag from the airplane in his room. Um, Magnata had contact in Paris from a trip in 2010 with that 70-year-old man. So police were paying attention to those people and kind of tracking their movements and seeing if uh, Magnata had reached out to them. And so then after spending a night or two at this hotel, um, before the police got there, Magnata took a Eurolines bus to Berlin, Germany, and then on June 4th, 2012, he was apprehended by Berlin police at an internet cafe 
while reading news stories about himself. When he was apprehended, he gave many fake names and aliases before admitting to who he was, and police confirmed his identity through fingerprint analysis. On June 5th, he appeared in Berlin court and was not opposed to his extradition, and there was plenty of evidence to keep him in custody until he was extradited. And then on June 18th, 2012, he was delivered to Canadian authorities in Berlin and was taken on a Royal Canadian Air Force plane to Mirabel International Airport, which is just north of Montreal. And so the military transport was very necessary because he was a safety and legality concern on a commercial flight, especially if the flight got diverted to another country. Like, that just opens a whole other can of worms. And then once he was arrived in Montreal, he was placed in solitary confinement. And then once the news of the murder had reached a global scale, the reactions in China were very critical because they felt that it, um, the murder of Justin Lin was very racially motivated. And since this was the second highly public killing of a Chinese student in just over a year, the public safety of Canada was scrutinized by the Chinese, which is completely fair in my opinion. On June 4th, 2012, Prime Minister Stephen Harper said that he was pleased the suspect was caught and congratulated the police forces on a job well done. Um, Interim Liberal Party leader Bob Ray said that Canadians should mourn the victim rather than celebrate Magnata's notoriety, which I think is very important. Um, Kind of a little bit of a side note, but on July 16th, 2013, Edmonton police charged the owner of bestgore.com, Mark Merrick, with um, corrupting morals because he was the one who actually posted the one lunatic, one ice pick video or like allowed it to be posted on his website. That's good. I'm glad mm-hmm. that happened because I was going to say like YouTube or these sites should have been getting some sort of backlash for allowing these types of mm-hmm. videos to be posted. Definitely. I don't fully understand, like, what kind of website bestgore.com is, but it sounds incredibly yeah. messed up and should be monitored as it is. Well, I remember, um, it's just, like, for people with sick sense of interest, I guess. Like, so, there, I remember there was a time where there were videos, you know, when, I don't know if it was the Taliban, but, or ISIS, but, like, videos of journalists being beheaded like mm-hmm. they were public publicly posted so i feel like it was sites like this where they were like yeah for your morbid curiosity this is what actually happened which i think yeah. is kind of effed up definitely i agree um yeah so magnata's arrested in canada solitary confinement on june 19th 2012 He appeared in court by video link and pleaded not guilty to all charges. And then on the 21st, he appeared in person at a high-security Montreal courtroom to request a trial by jury. His preliminary hearing began on March 11, 2013. Um, But unfortunately for us, all the evidence presented at this trial is protected by a publication ban. And I couldn't find the transcripts for his, like, actual trial which was kind of a bummer for us, but maybe not for uh, victims and family members. Um, his defense team wanted the media and public to be barred from the hearing, but that was declined, so the evidence was just protected by a publication ban. 
So Justin Lin's father, Lin Duran, came all the way from China to be at the hearing. And two days later, one of Magnata's lawyers actually had to resign due to a possible conflict of interest. Um, They didn't specify what that conflict of interest was, but I'm very intrigued. Um, A forensic pathologist, toxicologist, odontologist, bloodstain analyst, data recovery specialist, and an internet investigations officer all testified during the trial. I think it was... Sorry. Sorry, I was going to say, so even though, like, the evidence itself uh, has a publication ban, like, just based on all of the experts that testified, it seems like they definitely had enough to to make a pretty solid case against him. Yes, definitely. And I think um, it was a 12-week trial, and 10 of those weeks was just, like, witness and expert testimony, which is crazy. Um, so apparently Magnata and Lynn Duran, Justin's father, collapsed during the proceeding at different times. I don't know why Magnata would collapse, but I totally understand why Justin's father would collapse. <clears throat> One month later, on April 12, 2013, Magnata was indicted on charges of first-degree murder, offering indignities to a human body, distributing obscene materials, using the Postal Service to distribute obscene materials, and criminal harassment. Um, A tentative trial date was set for the fall of 2014 on April 29, 2013, on the conclusion of the preliminary hearing, and Magnata also elected to be tried by judge and jury. Um, Probably just to be famous and be in front of more people than just a judge. So, in 2014, he was found guilty on all charges and sentenced to life in prison. Some sources said he had no parole, and then some sources said he had parole after 25 years. So, I'm not totally sure. And because I couldn't find the original, like, sentencing document, I couldn't really confirm that. But 19, And he also had 19 years for other charges that he would serve concurrently. Um... And so now I'm going to tell you guys about what he's been up to since going to prison because I found an article. It's kind of from, it's from Narcity Canada, so take that with a grain of salt, but there's a bunch of like other uh, articles that kind of backed up what it said. So in 2015, he signed up for an inmate dating website called Canadian Inmates Connect, where he was looking for a white man between the ages of 28 and 38 who is in good shape, loyal, educated, financially, and emotionally stable. And then, in 2017, it was announced that he was marrying Anthony Jolin, who is a fellow inmate, and they got married on June 26, 2017, with Magnata's mom, Anna Yorkin, as their witness. Um, And what as the witness? Mom and what? His mom, Anna Yorkin. That's just her name. Oh, I heard, like, his mom and, like, a Yorkin. And I was like, what the hell's a Yorkin? (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. Bringing that in. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so apparently life in prison is treating him, like, rather well. There's a quote from him that says, I'm outside the majority of the time. I play a lot of video games. We have movie nights. We all have our own TVs. I have painting class and I exercise a lot. I practice language studies. People need to be proud of their accomplishments. Know your value and share it with anyone. Or with everyone, sorry. End quote. 
Right? Yeah, so he, like, killed this person, got sentenced to life in prison, is absolutely just living it up in prison, has, like, that doesn't sound remorseful. But. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think he's like, oh, shoot. I'm, my consequences to my actions are not very nice. But anyway. His mom talks to him every day and is able to visit regularly, and she wrote a book about him. And when there was a COVID outbreak in his prison, she was begging authorities to free him so that he wouldn't die because she felt that being uh, somewhere with the COVID outbreak is really dangerous. I'm on Can Lee right now trying to see if Magnata's case is anywhere, like, mm-hmm. and only, like, not his full thing, which is so strange. Like, they have right? his appeals, and they've got like rectified judgments yeah um most of them are just really short documents yeah the biggest one that i have is like his judgment but still it's not the full case yeah or the trial um according to his mom he is rehabilitated and ready to return to society no um no (laughs) so she seems like an excellent judge of character. Like, yeah. it's her own son. Of course, she's going to be like, no, but he's he's my good boy. Literally. He can return. Yeah. He's I'm not sorry. like the other serial killers. If my kid kills kittens and then kills someone, I will disown them. Yes. And I feel Rightfully so. And I think, like, in, if I remember correctly, in the docuseries, like, she is very much still, like, he's done nothing wrong. Mm -hmm. Like, he's just a troubled boy. Um, We will get through this. And we're like, what do you mean you're going to get through this? Like, Like, you kill people. (laughs) Yeah, and, like, yeah, he is a troubled boy. That's why he needs to get the help he needs, like... Yeah. There's a lot going on there that maybe we should also address and not just be like, you know what, he's fine, actually. Anyway, earlier this year, he also tried to take the government of Canada to court as part of his demands to be transferred to a lesser security prison. Um, so, yeah, basically, he just was tired of being in a maximum security prison. And he's like, maybe I could just be in a medium security prison. But again, that's kind of scary. <laughs> maybe if I ask nicely. Yeah, my mom says that I should be allowed to go into a medium security prison, so... Oh, he's definitely a pick-me-mom-says type of boy. (laughs) Oh my god. But yeah, that's all I have on Luca Magnata. Um, I apologize if I got anything wrong or anything, but yeah, he was... um, Yeah. Yeah, he's an interesting character to say the least so messed up but yeah um but thank you for telling us all about that and um not subjecting yourself to the docuseries that was a good good call on your mental health yeah (laughs) I I just I couldn't do that (laughs) I will say if anyone does want to kind of know more about the web sleuthing that happened like involved with this case like take a peek at that docuseries it is really heavy though i will preface that now um but yes thank you for telling us all about that okay now rebecca would you like to kind of help us dive into the mind of luca magnata and killing for fame and kind of you know 
possibly theorize as to why he did what he did? I would love to. So I would like to preface this a little bit by saying this is probably going to be a bit more of a discussion on all of our part, because I guess there isn't a whole lot of research specifically into killing for fame, because as the name suggests, like they are killing because they want fame. So they're like, oh, that's good for a definition. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's the research there. We know why. <laughs> like... We know why. They just want to be famous. <laughs> but I did find a few things that might kind of lead us into the minds a little bit of like why they might look at doing this for fame instead of something, you know, more mundane, like trying to get TikTok famous. Um, so, yeah, to get started... Killing for fame would probably be a bit better worded as killing for infamy, uh, because infamy is the state of being well-known for some bad quality or deed, which I'm sure we can agree that killing is definitely a bad deed. Um, so I'm kind of kind of use them interchangeably, like fame killing or like killing for infamy, but essentially they're the same thing. They're just killing because they want fame based on a bad action, because basically any publicity is good publicity. So fame is something that many people globally would like to achieve. I mean, there's dozens of reality TV shows out there just for that. Um, and with how popular social media has become over the past couple of decades, it's arguably easier than ever to try and become famous. Uh, so there's been many instances of mass killings, for example, Roger Elliott, someone who was very active in incel forums online, which is basically just forums of men who absolutely hate women and blame women for all of their lack of love problems, um, who he sought fame by posting a manifesto on YouTube which explained why he was about to commit the acts that he did before he uploaded it and then shot and killed six people who were mainly women in Isla Vista, California, before ultimately killing himself as well. Unfortunately, Elliot did appear to garner the fame that he wanted, uh, as his manifesto has now been viewed thousands of times. I will admit, I've even watched it because I wrote uh, a term paper on incels in university um so i kind of felt like i needed to watch it but i didn't want to besides that um his crimes were also extensively covered on the news and even to this day the incel community online praises him as being a hero for their cause that's disgusting i know i agree I don't like it's that. also like that's kind of like a catch-22 of like you want to broadcast, like, regarding the media covering his case, like, you want to broadcast what happened, but it's so hard to do that without inadvertently giving fame and notoriety to the person that did it. Yeah, well, you're just exactly. giving them what they wanted, essentially. Exactly. Like, that's Absolutely. Like, I'm going to get into that a little bit later, but no, yeah. you're exactly right. Like, it's yeah. it's hard to cover this kind of stuff without inadvertently giving them the fame they're seeking. Exactly. So Luca Magnata is a little bit different from the other fame killers that I had read about and that have been researched uh, because most fame killers, at least that have been mentioned in like their research articles and such were mass murderers. They often uh, conducted mass shootings or mass attacks trying to seek fame. 
Uh, so, for example, in a 2017 study by Brad J. Bushman, uh, he described that many mass shooters exhibit narcissistic traits, which gives them an inflated sense of ego and sense of self-importance. He found that while not every mass shooter fits this category, many of them around the world were diagnosed with narcissistic personality disorder after their attacks, and many even wrote manifestos or outwardly considered themselves to be higher than everyone else. So, for example, again, of killers who seek fame, Harris, who was one of the Columbine shooters, called his personal journal, quote, the Book of God. And in several of his classmates' yearbooks, he wrote Ich bin Gott, which translates from German for I am God. So while narcissism, like many other traits and topics in psychology, is quite complex, it has been generally agreed on that there are five main characteristics of someone who exhibits uh, narcissism. Uh, so those five characteristics would be inflated ego, lack of empathy, need for attention, repressed insecurities, and few boundaries. So just looking at mass, shooter, sorry, mass shooters who exhibit narcissistic traits, it makes sense that they would commit these heinous acts as a way to get attention that they're seeking. Uh, because they also generally lack boundaries and empathy, meaning they don't really care who they might hurt in order to achieve their own goals. So I can definitely like journey through it, your discussion of the case. I would very heavily argue that uh, Magnata was very high on the narcissism trait because uh, yeah. it's pretty self-explainable if you listen to everything you told us about him. Yeah, and you can even see it like from White right when he was a kid and like his obsession with how he looked like yeah absolutely yeah right from the name of narcissist like <laughs> absolutely um so another psychological trait or characteristic that may be exhibited by some fame killers although i have to be honest this is somewhat me speculating as i wasn't able to find research on it uh is delusions of grandeur so delusions of grandeur is the false belief in one's own superiority, greatness, intelligence, and or importantness, if that's a word. <laughs> um, so this is somewhat a subcategory, I guess, of narcissism, as these delusions are associated with narcissistic personality disorder. However, not everyone with NPD has these delusions. So... Grandor delusions are really interesting because the people who experience them believe in their own greatness and importance so highly that they often believe that they can succeed in things they have absolutely no experience in. So it basically just makes them like overly confident. Um, so for example, someone who experiences these delusions might believe that it's their destiny to become a world leader, even though they have very poor communication interpersonal skills, or think that they might be destined to be a pro athlete, even though they've never in their life played a sport, or touched a ball. So although these delusions vary significantly, and there's not really one specific delusion that people share when they experience them, but some more common examples include the belief that one has a special relationship with a supernatural entity like a god. Uh, so a lot of cult leaders may exhibit this one. Uh, look back at our past three cult episodes, and I'm sure you can definitely find instances in each of those of this. Um, another is that they have a belief that they have a special relationship with a famous person or authority figure, so like the president of the United States or just a really renowned celebrity. 
And one that I think fits mostly to Magnata uh, would be belief that one has a unique destiny, which often involves having power, fame, fortune, and or supernatural abilities. I think you could kind of argue too, like at least in a small aspect, like he believed he had a, if this is true, he believed he had a special relationship with Carla Homoka, who at that time was a famous person in like the Canadian realm. Yeah. Um, so that's just adding to it too. If he's going around saying she's my girlfriend, like. Yeah, true. I hadn't considered that because I had completely forgotten that he supposedly had involvement with Carla Homoka. Yeah. So it seems more and more likely that he could have been having these delusions. Yeah. Um. So again, while I wasn't able to find research that suggests fame killers can exhibit these delusions, given one of the most common delusions is the belief of a unique destiny that involves power and fame, it's definitely not out of the realm of possibility that someone with these would go to such lengths as killing someone, especially if they have such high narcissistic traits, uh, just to get the fame that they're seeking. So moving on from these couple of, I guess, psychologically influencing factors, um, unfortunately, one of the largest influences for these fame killers is ultimately the media itself. So of course, when murders occur, especially mass murders, the news is going to cover it extensively. And although when these tragedies, sorry, Although when these tragedies occur, the news will sprinkle in details of the victims, like their names and maybe their age and all of that sort of thing, what's usually lasts kind of in the media and what's usually covered heavily is detailed descriptions of the crime and the person behind it. So while many other events might get covered in the media, they may or may not stick around for a while. For example, like heartwarming news stories, because even though they have like a, a feel good impact in the moment. Unfortunately, I think fear of violence and crime is just something that sticks around in our psyche for much longer. So we're much more likely to kind of dwell on it and keep reporting on it because that's ultimately what gets views. Well, even like you look at the amount of true crime podcasts that there are in the world, like people enjoy listening to these disturbing stories. Why? Yeah. I don't know. But like... It's and we're victim to that since I know. we're <laughs> That's us. But, like, yeah. it's true. Like, it's – there's always – I think – I think um, it's – you can't imagine it happening to yourself, but it also hits close to home because mm -hmm. it is – it's not a supernatural thing that's happened. So people, well, exactly. like, yeah, are more like, intrigued by it, I guess. Yeah, like as empathetic people, I think we listen to them because we question how someone could have the heart to do any of this. So it's kind of like us, in a way, looking on our own psychology to be yeah. like, well, what makes them different than me? Yeah, I think like, at least for me too, like I see it when I listen to true crime podcasts, I see it as a, what can I do when I'm out and maybe in a situation like this to protect myself. Like if I'm walking home from a night out by myself, you know, I have to do X, Y, Z to prevent or reduce the likelihood of something happening. So I mm -hmm. think it's like an easy way for people to kind of get an idea of how to protect themselves a bit more. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I agree with that. But yeah, side tangent. <laughs> <laughs> um. But just thinking of 
just getting back into the media thing, thinking of killers like Jeffrey Dahmer and Ted Bundy, they weren't fame killers. However, even though their crimes happened decades ago, their stories are still plastered in the media and they have basically become household names, but their victims haven't. So for someone who doesn't have the emotional intelligence or care for other people to see the massive damage that they've caused uh, societally and personally for the victim's families, and they simply want fame, what better way for them, I guess, to become a household name than to commit an atrocious crime? Because they already know it's been tried and tested that many killers ultimately become household names, whether or not that was their intention. Yeah, it's kind of like the saying of, like, um, no one, like, it's hard to look away from a train wreck, even though, like, you know it's a massive disaster, like, you're just drawn to what's going on because it kind of gives you a sense of, like, your own mortality, kind of, like, you're like, oh, like, that could have been me, but nope, I'm still alive, and so you're just kind of, like, fascinated with other people's dismay, which is kind of, uh, messed yeah, kind of screwed up, but mm-hmm. I absolutely understand and agree. I do the same thing. I mean, that's why we run our true crime podcast. Exactly. <laughs> we are guilty. Um, so essentially for those killers who are motivated by fame, uh, by extensively reporting on their crimes and bringing attention to the name of the killer and the life that they may have led before they committed these crimes... The media is basically handing these killers the fame they were seeking in a way. So in a way, the killers are winning. Like we're basically spoon feeding them the fame that they want. So tying this in again to the case of Luca Magnata, he wanted attention. He wanted people to know his name. And it appears to have worked out well for him, given there is now a docuseries all about him and his capture. So... Like we've been talking about, like running a true crime podcast, we're guilty of this too. I can't preach about this and not recognize that we do also play a role in this as a true crime podcast. (laughs) Um, Essentially, any form of media that discusses these crimes plays a role when it comes to fame-seeking killers. So like podcasts, TV, movies, documentaries, news, all of these that bring attention to them is ultimately letting the killer win. However, the news can, can't can simply just stop covering these stories because in a way that's also an injustice to the victims who suffered uh, as it's kind of like, it's not that they lived in vain, but it's that like this atrocious thing happened and we're just going to forget about them. Like that feels wrong as well. Um, but I think, and not just, I think I was also reading articles from like the LA Times and all that stuff about this, but uh, there needs to be a change in the way in which these crimes are reported uh, by putting less emphasis on in the major news articles on the life of the criminal or the criminal's name, instead we should be putting it on the lives of the victims and those who lost everything because of someone else's pure selfishness and evil. Yeah. So I, I feel yeah. like we kind of yeah we need to reshape it and talk about it in the way of like the victim lost their life, not the murderer took their life. But it's also tricky because I feel like in some of the the cases we've covered posting about like a serial killer um can help catch them in a sense like it just Mm -hmm. brings more attention to them even though um it's bringing more attention to them you know yeah Yeah. 
I forget what tragedy it was. It was within at least the last five, ten years. And the news report actually did a really good job at not once naming the individual who committed the crime. It was only like he or they or like the killer kind of thing. Like they just didn't give them the satisfaction of naming this person. And every name that was in it was all of the victims. So like like you said, you guys said it was very much victim oriented and getting that out there and saying this is what happened to the victims or this is what they went through and not the killer aspect of it, like the killer focus. Yeah, absolutely. And I I don't know if this is what the same one you were talking about, but like a good example of that is uh, when the Las Vegas yes. m- yeah, mass shooting occurred. Yeah. Uh, I think it was the LA Times. They refused to publish the name of the killer because they didn't want to give him more attention because they knew that he was a fame-seeking killer, yeah. which is why he committed the mass yeah. murder. Um, so one of the last points I had, we basically just covered. Um, I was just going to say that... Uh, Some major news outlets have been attempting to report on these crimes without glorifying the killers uh, by omitting the names of them from the article and instead speaking on the facts of the crime and the victims involved. Uh, Because after all, if it's fame that the criminal wants, what good is the fame going to do if no one actually knows their name? So that's all I really have right now on fame killing. Um, Again, it was a bit hard to research the why of fame killing because the name of it itself sounds pretty self-explanatory. But if there's any sort of takeaway, I guess like Cole's note summary from this, it's that many fame killers exhibit characteristics of narcissistic personality disorder. Uh, They don't care about the impact they have on the lives of the victims' families and society. They only care about the impact that their crimes are going to have on them by making them famous because any publicity is good publicity. Um, And although media is simply doing its job by reporting these crimes, the way in which it's currently being reported, we're essentially giving these fame killers the fame that they want and sort of letting them win, I guess, by plastering their names everywhere. So basically fame killers, bad media, bad on which the way we report them but it can definitely improve and we shouldn't stop reporting on it just because we're letting the criminals win quote unquote yeah um yeah i I, sorry nicole go ahead okay um (laughs) i just want i think we should discuss um the like controversy around the jeffrey dahmer docuseries have you guys seen anything about that yeah, like, I've seen things here and there. Um, I got through two or three episodes of the docuseries, or the TV series, and I honestly just couldn't finish it. I, it was, like, glorifying him in a way, I felt like. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I've... Sorry, go ahead. No, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> I was just gonna say, I've heard that the victims' families aren't getting a cent out of any of this, which is the... Really? Yeah, which is the thing that pisses me off the most. Um, Mm -hmm. I feel like if there is any sort of monetary income, it should be given to these families. Yeah, Um, definitely. I agree. Absolutely. I will admit I am guilty of watching it. I watched it on like the first day it came out when I wasn't aware of all of the controversy that was going on. Uh, I probably wouldn't have watched it if I knew about it. 
Mm -hmm. Um, but you are absolutely right. They're like, because I watched the show, like absolutely they're glorifying Jeffrey Dahmer. And I know that maybe wasn't their intention, but it's like, it's kind of like there's one episode for each victim. So you don't really get to know the victims, but you get to know Jeffrey Dahmer in a very Mm -hmm. intimate sense. And it's making a lot of people, it's like when Ted Bundy went to jail, a lot of people are kind of, I guess, falling for Jeffrey Dahmer again, Mm -hmm. because they see him as, I mean, in this Evan Peters, I love Evan Peters, but I don't love Jeffrey Dahmer, but it feels like some people aren't able to make that distinction, which is just further romanticizing it because now people are like, simping over evan peters jeffrey dahmer everywhere yeah i've seen people with like jeffrey dahmer earrings and like jewelry pieces and t-shirts like they literally have gone to the point of like you said romanticizing him and displaying this which is just bringing up all of these traumas that occurred way back when and it wasn't like it's was long enough ago that there are still people alive today that well, it's first-hand like, witness that. Yeah, when I first kind of like learned about Jeffrey Dahmer, it was like, oh, he was this absolutely horrible person. He was just this terrible, terrible guy. He did, committed all these atrocious acts. Like the worst serial killer ever was Jeffrey Dahmer. And then mm-hmm. they put out this TV show that just kind of like, kind of got like, rid there's of that. There's and scenes yeah, yeah. that absolutely try to make you feel bad for him because he was like the loner, the no one liked him, mm-hmm. and it's like, okay, but. We shouldn't sympathize. That doesn't with give you. him an excuse. That doesn't excuse what he did. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, it was very interesting. I didn't end up finishing it because I didn't like the way the show was um, laid out. I didn't like that they didn't go in chronological order of just his yeah. life, and they just kept going back and forth. I found it very difficult to follow. But again, like there are victims' families alive who are having to then relive this trauma, and there's so many people who just don't understand that i guess i think that's like a big thing about like this time frame and generation two like and it can kind of be tied back to fame like people who kill for fame is like there's so many means to get your name out there like Mm -hmm. when this first happened the they only had news sources essentially to and word of mouth to spread about all of this but now like you see it on Facebook, you see it on TikTok, you see it on Instagram, while also on the news media, while also on like XYZ. So like at the same time, all of these different things about this person are being spread and disseminated. Some may be true, some may not be. And yet, it's like an overwhelming amount that you get in your face at once. And like that, it, it hasn't always been like that. And I think it really plays into you know, there may, I don't know the numbers on this, but I think like there may be more people who kill for fame coming up with the means of getting their name out there, you know? Exactly. Well, looking back at that article that I had read by Bushman talking about like mass killers who kill for fame, um, I don't remember the statistic and it was basically him speculating, but speculating based on the past research he had done he did suggest that it is very likely that the number of mass killers who kill for fame is increasing. uh, And it's because of how big social media is and how much it's easier now than ever to get your name across the world in a matter of days. 
which is yeah, terrifying yeah, and we see it so much with Luca Magnata. Like, he tried those kitten-killing videos, but wasn't getting the fame and notoriety that he wanted. So he's like, okay, fine, I'll amp it up and I'll kill a person now. Yeah. And that got him the fame and notoriety, and he made it a global manhunt by going to Europe. Yeah. Like, he got yeah. what he wanted. He's now a household name. Yeah, which is, like, the sad thing. Like, And, I mean, we're helping i guess this case mm-hmm. but at least we're like bringing light to why not to but like we, yeah he even with news articles still coming out about him like he's mm-hmm. got his fame he's living a comfy cushy life in jail it seems like yeah i don't find that fair in my opinion like i think other no, things should have been done yeah yeah, yeah. it's kind of such a it's yeah, it's kind of such a rabbit hole that we could go down of like what's morally right? How do we do this? How do we stop giving notoriety to these people without giving absolutely nothing to the victims? Like, yeah. I feel like it's a very cyclical like path yeah. that you take because there's no real there's good no right way. Answer. Yeah, there's no right answer. No definitive right moral answer to this, which makes it kind of tricky. Um, but yeah, um, I was going to say something, but it's completely gone. Um, um about if, yeah, if any of our listeners have anything that they would like to share about what they think about like fame killing and kind of how they see it portrayed in their media and like how that makes them feel, we would love to kind of have a discussion about this with you guys as well, because I think it's a very important discussion because we yeah. are playing a part in it. We are, like, our episodes of famous serial killers do the best. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, it would be really yeah, interesting we... to kind of have a discussion about that. Absolutely. I'd love to I'd love to hear from our viewers about that, or our mm-hmm. listeners, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> our audio think, viewers. Yeah. Like, it's it's interesting to me that, like, the most popular killers are the episodes that we do the best on like it makes mm-hmm. sense because they're the biggest names and i'm sure like one search and then it's up there but i also am curious as to like then why the less known killers aren't getting as much because like it's still the same platform being dissent like disseminating the same type of media you know what i mean like yeah what is it that it's causing these people to get more more fame and notoriety infamy than others we have covered you know do you think we could tie it back to kind of delusions of grandeur where like by knowing so much about this serial killer we're kind of creating a false narrative like we know them yeah 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 i can see that like we were there because we know so much about what happened and we can kind of like it makes us special or yeah, like we feel special about it. We feel connected in a way, almost mm-hmm. like some weird. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Food for thought. <laughs> Food for thought. That's a good question. Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah. Um. Okay. Do we have any other discussion points? Um. We want to talk about. I don't think so. I think I think we're all meaty. Oh, I do, but. Like, again, it can be brought back to that database I was helping on about, like, looking at serial killers in the media. Yeah. And, you know, we were looking at the why is it the middle-aged white man 
who like killed a whole bunch of people that get this fame and notoriety like even if they don't have the intent to be famous like I feel like a lot of them deep down they're like "Mm, yeah I want my name out there um whereas like again like our last episode Samuel Little he did a bunch of horrific things Mm-hmm. we didn't hear about it and like he didn't have the mindset of doing it for fame like obviously he had other other motives for it but where is why is that line drawn you know and yeah. how is fame how does media and fame play that role in it then you know yeah if that makes sense kind of i don't know <laughs> so many questions not enough answers yes I welcome think it would be really interesting. <laughs> yeah, welcome to forensics. Yeah, this is yes. Um, I think it'd be fun though if any listeners like to have like a proper discussion, like jump on Zencaster, something that we do like an episode. Yeah, and see what your thoughts are. You know. Yeah. So let us know if you'd be interested in. We can like join post us. a discussion board or something. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be kind um, of fun. Okay, I think I think that's where we're gonna end it today. Though um, we could, there's so much to talk about and so much to do, but we've got time limits, time constraints. But thank you both of you for everything. I think we had a really good uh, discussion piece and topic this week. Um, and then our next episode, kind of a bit different. We're going to stray away from, you know, a crime and a science. We're going to do focus on a bit of uh, psychology and sociology and more so some experiments that may have happened, some questionable experiments, all influential experiments and um, just kind of everything around it. So we're going to be doing um, the Ash experiment, the prison, the Stanford prison experiment and the Milgram experiment. So we learned... A lot about those in university, especially prison stamp stamp. Why am I mixing that up? The Stanford prison experiment. Uh, good Netflix documentary. I think it's still on Netflix. Um, I recommend you watch. I did not spend time looking up a joke. I apologize um, for this episode. You're going to have to carry me next week, Rebecca, when you do your jokes. All Make right. Up. That's Make okay. Up for the missed one this week. Sometimes we need to give our listeners a break from our cheesy jokes. Yeah, I was thinking about it last night too. And I'm like, I feel like people just, as soon as they hear, okay, thank you, episode ended. <laughs> like, do people yeah. listen to the like, are you, shitey joke? Are you still listening to our outro? <laughs> <laughs> Let us know. Have you made it this far? Please tell us. Um, but yes, unfortunately, no joke. But Journey, where can people find us? People can find us on Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook at What the Forensics. Our Twitter is WTForensicsPC. Our website is WhatTheForensics.ca, where we post all of our sources and source images and just fun information. And then our email is WhatTheForensics at gmail.com if you want to reach out with us and continue the discussion from this episode. You can also reach out to, we're most active on Instagram and Facebook for the most part, um, a DM or message. We are pretty good at responding as soon as we see it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Make sure to give us a review wherever you listen, if you've made it this far and are still 
listening. Thank you. We want to, we, I feel like we don't get feedback. So like, we want to know our Spotify wrapped was pretty good. So we mm-hmm. did, we've been doing really well this past year, but um, we want to know how we can do better. Yeah, we would love to hear it from you guys specifically. Not and we're some... so close to ten thousand downloads. So yes. once this episode comes out, we should be at ten thousand downloads by the end of the year, even though we have like two days. Oh my gosh! Okay, but uh, let's get there. Yes. So let's get you all listening. And I think we're at ninety eight hundred, ninety seven hundred. We're at ninety nine. I checked last night. We were oh. at nine thousand nine hundred three last night. Okay. 10,000 wow. wrapping up 2022 with 10,000 let's go yeah we, we can do this it. we can do we it. this <laughs> um on that very exciting note this has been another episode of what the forensics we hope you found it interesting we hope you enjoyed it and we will see you guys next time bye bye, bye. Just a reminder to everyone that we are not professionals in the forensic science field. We are just interested in forensics and want to share what we are learning with our listeners. We're trying to give you the most accurate information, but we are human and can make mistakes. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you next week. Mm